Welcome to Valley Lights Church Online. You know, I've been wondering, are people more easily offended nowadays than they used to be? Getting offended is its one of the things that leads to conflict, especially in relationships. Hey, I'm Bruce. I'm the lead pastor here at Valley Lights. And as I think about it, I, I think our culture has developed a lot of ideas about how to handle conflict in relationships. And the ideas start flowing at a pretty early age. I was uh, watching some movies with my kids. I watched Cars 2 uh, a few years back. And in this movie, you can see a photo of the main characters, but in this movie, Mater, the tow truck, he's, he's really rude and inconsiderate, just kind of, you know, being his goofy self, but it, it's, it's kind of being pretty disruptive to the people around him during the whole movie. And uh, in the climax of the movie, Instead of owning a lot of the relational damage that he causes, the other main character, Lightning, he gives him this pep talk and he says, man, Mater, if people don't like the way that you act, they need to change, not you. You just be yourself. Basically, you just do and act however you want, no matter who it offends. And then another movie, more recent, Encanto. This this is a movie that came out uh, just actually a few months ago. And this is a movie about a big multi-generational uh, Colombian family. And the family has a lot of fun, but there's also a lot of tension <laughs> in all of the family dynamics. There's a lot of grudges. There's uh, some harboring of offenses between the family members. And at the climax of this movie, the family is finally brought together by one girl, the main character, who's, who's brave enough to look at a mirror of herself and just decide to be herself no matter what other people think of her. And then all of the family tension just evaporates. (laughs) It it disappears. And when I look at movies like this, I think it's it's fascinating. I I really like these movies. I like watching, you know, movies with my kids to debrief some of these ideas. I think there's a lot of value in that. But more and more, it seems like our culture is saying, hey, the best life comes when you just express exactly how you feel whenever you feel it and ignore anybody who gets offended by it. In fact, if you, just, if you just express what you feel, the whole world is gonna be better off for it. In my experience, the facts of life operate a little differently. In my experience, I've seen that people offend each other. This is fact number one, people offend each other. Fact number two is offenses can destroy relationships, even if it ends magically in the movies. <laughs> I have enough broken relationships in my history to know that this is true. One of my best friendships I had starting in childhood, went through the teenage years and and into college, and I severely damaged that friendship when I swooped in and I I asked a girl out that my friend was trying to date. I, I beat him to the punch. And in those years, you know, realized, so neither of us ended up with that girl. And, but the damage was done. And, and at that time, I didn't really know how to own it, own what I did and get that cleared up. That I, I was, I was, because of my desire, I was willing to put my friendship on the line and trust fell through the floor and that friendship limped along for a while. Perhaps if you look back over the timeline of your life, you might also find a trail of broken relationships. Maybe with people, there was some sort of conflict of goals or interests and things were said or things were done and the trouble had erupted. Some relationships make it through the fire. 
others don't. But regardless, offenses have a way of sucking the joy out of relationships. What if there was a way to remove the offense before you suffer long-term damage? Wouldn't it be great to have a way of relating with people so that we can remain strong after years and years of life together? That's part of why we're in this message series called Relationship Glue. And we've been looking at different ways to make relationships strong and really cohesive. How, how, to, how to do relationships in a way that I really enjoy people and we're able to enjoy each other. What are the core New Testament commands in the Bible that makes for a, not um, just a refreshing community, but one that honors God? We've been studying the core values of our church, known as the heart attitudes. And so here we have it. People offend each other. Sometimes, sometimes it was, oops, sorry about that. I didn't mean to do that. Sometimes we step on each other's toes. And sometimes we take it a step further and intentionally say or do things to inflict damage. Because we've all done things to offend others, we're going to be looking at heart attitude number four clear up relationships. If you don't want a trail of broken relationships, if you don't want disposable friendships where, you know, you just toss them out when it's not that fun anymore, then we've got to find a way for to find rec- reconciliation. Uh, reconciliation makes it so that friendships can actually come out stronger and even more meaningful after an offense has happened. So what does it mean to seek reconciliation? Well, what that word even means is it means restoring friendship and harmony with somebody. And getting things cleared up is difficult. It's oftentimes uncomfortable. And in some ways, it might even feel easier to let things crumble than do the hard, humbling work of getting something cleared up. But of course, it's better to remove the offense and get back to where we've got goodwill with each other. And here's a powerful motivation. When it comes to reconciliation, we need to remember that first, God took the initiative with us. In Colossians, it says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. Talking about when Jesus died on the cross for us. To present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. When we were actively rebelling against God, living life our own way, doing things ignorant of Him, God took initiative to reconcile us to Himself. And He did this through the work of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died, that was when our offenses can be removed out of our relationship with God. Without Jesus dying, we we wouldn't have a way to get clear with God. So, God wanted a clear relationship with us, so he took the first step. And because of that, I'm, I am so grateful. I, I love knowing that I can have a clear conscience, knowing that I'm right with God. When, I, when I'm walking um, in integrity, knowing that I've, I've cleared up my sins with God, and um, I'm able to do that because of the cross of Jesus Christ, I've found that to be liberating. And I'm, I'm really motivated to keep short accounts with God. So like when I'm you know, when I'm doing a message like this, or I'm standing on a stage um, giving a message to our church, I, I would, I, I would, it would feel like fraud if I was holding some secret sin in my heart. 
and if I knew I wasn't clear with God. And to do something like that, I, it would make me so uncomfortable. I would hate that. Being right with God for me is a very high priority. And I want to be right with you and the people in our church. I don't want to be presenting information about God when there's something under the surface that hasn't been addressed. I don't want any pretense. I want to be clear. I want to have a clear conscience. And I know that if there is any offense or bitterness between me and other people, God takes that personally. And if I'm not clear with others, then that means all of a sudden I'm not clear with God. He expects me to get things cleared up with others. And because of what he did for us by taking initiative, that means the initiative now lies with me. <laughs> when, I, when it comes to seeking reconciliation with people, I've got to take that first step. Look at what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew. He says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, meaning coming to worship God in some way, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar to God. First, go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. If we're, if we're trying to worship God or pray or sing or gather for church and we suddenly we realize, no, something's, somebody's got a fence with me, well, that means we need to take the initiative. With God, clear relationships are a priority even over worship. This means I've got to be clear with people horizontally before I can start relating with God vertically. And you might think, well, okay, maybe someone is offended, but it's honestly, it's kind of dumb that they are. They shouldn't, they shouldn't, whatever I did, they shouldn't take it so personally. Or they misunderstood me. And uh, if they just knew, then they wouldn't be so offended. Well, Jesus is saying, if your brother has something against you, especially speaking about a brother, meaning a fellow believer that we're in God's family with, if you remember there's something there, go and be reconciled. It means a conversation probably needs to happen. And we're going to look actually at a few more guidelines about how that might play out because it does at times get complicated. But the initiative to get it sorted out and reconciled, it lies with me. And you might agree. Okay. In my experience, it's true. Opportunities for offense and opportunities to get things cleared up, they just keep coming. Even at church. And so I want you to hear from some other people in our church. Actually, throughout this whole series on relationships, I've been um, excited to share stories from people in our congregation who have, have seen these things lived out and played out. And so you'll hear a story now from Jackie. And she learned that um, she had offended somebody. And I want you to see how she responds. So listen to this. A time that I really experienced heart attitude number four of clearing up relationships was... Um, I was going to the movies with some friends and a certain friend had kind of organized it and invited us and she put us into a small group thread and it was actually the night that we were gonna go to the movies and people had different opinions of what movie we were gonna see and what time and the kind of controller side of me saw, well, we're going tonight and we haven't decided what movie we're seeing and so I hopped into the group thread and I was like, Hey guys, so it seems like the most people or the majority want to see this at this time. So that sounds good. And I didn't realize, and um, my friend who was organizing it called me later, and I'm really glad that she did. She called me and she explained to me that when I did that, it felt like I was 
taking a little bit of control of the situation that she was trying to invite us to. And little did I know she actually had other text message threads with more people that she was trying to invite. And she was actually taking on a lot of responsibility to consider everyone's opinions um, and put it all together. And it was a little bit stressful for her. And I had no idea that she was working on so many other things. And so when I jumped in and I kind of took control of the situation, um, it just stepped on her toes a bit. I'm really glad that she like had the courage to call me and she cared about our relationship enough to call me um, and let me know how what I did affected her. Um, and I was able to see very clearly that that is what I did. I took control and um, asked for her forgiveness for doing that. And she forgave me and we were able to kind of uh, grow our relationship stronger through that trust. She trusted me enough to talk to me about it and um, I was able to clear up that relationship with her for something that I had done and um, we've had a great friendship ever since. Now imagine if Jackie had said to her friend, you know, like I offended you? Well listen, that's how I roll. You just need to accept me for what I, who I am and how I operate. And uh, maybe what if she said, you know, so I'm, so I'm sorry that you would get so offended at something so small as that. <laughs> I think you could probably kiss that friendship goodbye. That, that would not be a good way to go. Small offenses can turn into big ones and that can turn into bitterness. And over time, this can really destroy friendships. Fortunately, in, in this story, Jackie um, this friendship was saved. And, and actually, the offense was removed and the goodwill was restored so that things were even stronger than before. And that's pretty amazing. So when things get messed up, we clear it up. We clean it up. And here's, how, here's some ways that this might look. One is, um, when I'm thinking about clearing things up, I need, to, I need to make sure that my circle of confession matches the circle of commission. So let me explain what that means. So, uh, if I, if I sin just against God, maybe I do something wrong in my heart, I need to clear that up with him. Or maybe I, I think evil of somebody, or I have some ill thoughts toward a person, but I don't actually say or act on that. Um, the circle of confession, I need to confess that to God. I haven't really committed it to anybody besides God. But let's say I do actually sin against a person. I, I say or do something wrong or sinful to them. Well, I have now committed that a sin against them and God. So I need, to con I need to clear that up, confess that before God, ask for his forgiveness, and clear that up with the person as well. If I do something sinful in front of a whole group of people, a class or a gathering or, or a church meeting or something like that, then I need to go ahead and confess that before the entire group and ask for forgiveness from the whole group. There's actually a, an amazing story from Barry a few weeks ago in this series where he had uh, confessed before a whole group that in a class that he had sinned. And that was a good example of this. I want you to hear another story from someone in our church, uh, Suzanne, and uh, she realized, she was actually convicted about some sin that, that she had to get addressed and cleaned up. So listen to Suzanne's story here. Um, so one of the ways I have been able to practice heart attitude number four was actually with my coworkers. I was in a conversation with a few of my coworkers and we started talking about another coworker of ours and I did not put that person in a very good light and really spoke 
ill of them. And so after that conversation, um, God really convicted me and helped me to see that my words were not kind and uplifting of this person. And so I knew that not only did I need to ask God for forgiveness for what I had said, but I needed to clear it up with the other employees that I was, my coworkers that I was talking to. So um, I called my coworker that I went to church with and I just told her um, that I know I did not speak well of this coworker and I really wanted her to forgive me for what I had said. And um, she said, oh, absolutely, I forgive you. Thank you for calling. I'm so glad you cleared this up. It was like such a great conversation. I really felt like I could move forward with my relationship with her because we had cleared up this situation. And so then I called my other coworker and um, I did the same thing. I just said, you know, I know I did not speak well of my coworker. Um, I really was convicted of that. And will you please forgive me for what I had said about her? And my coworker said, uh, you don't need to do that. And I was like, yes, I do. Um, will you please forgive me? And she, she said, well, if that's what you need, it's fine. And I said, okay, well, thank you. And got off the phone and, um, it was just one of those reminders to me that this is not a normal practice of even believers um, to really clear up relationships in this way. And it also reminded me of how sweet it is when you can clear up a relationship with someone and how really it helps um, your relationship with that person to be even more stronger and on the same page, as well as really the benefit, the reason why I did it is because of what God had convicted me of. And so clearing up my relationship with God and others has really helped in my walk. I love about Suzanne's story that she, it really highlights her desire to keep short accounts with God. You know, she probably could have dismissed that conviction she was feeling and, and not called those um, coworkers to get that thing cleared up. But if, if she would have just dismissed it, she would not have been clear with God. Now, remember what Jesus said. He says, we, we need to get clear with other people before we even come to worship him. So this idea of getting things cleared up, it's actually a special practice that we have anytime that we do a Lord's Supper service. And we have one coming up as a church in April. And the Lord's Supper is communion. It's time when we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And it's a special time of, of worship and prayer. But even in that service, what we do is we give time for people in our church to get things cleared up with each other and for us to pray and even ask God, have I, are there some ways that I've stepped out of bounds and I don't even realize it yet? And over time, you may even realize that if the Lord's Supper is coming, it means maybe I should take some inventory and find out, have I, have I offended anybody? Because before, I, before we go into that special time of worship, I need to make sure I'm clear. Another aspect of getting things cleared up is when it needs to happen, I'm going to ask to talk to this person uh, privately and in person. 
if we if we kind of keep this you know sort of smaller and just individual face to face, that really helps from things getting inflamed. Um, if it's if it's done really publicly or in front of a big group, it can it can make things unnecessarily complicated. And really, in person is best because you can see them. You can give facial reactions, even you know if appropriate, give a hug at the end, and make sure that things are are restored. I don't know if you've ever had an argument with somebody over text message, but it amazes me that people keep trying to make that work out well. <laughs> I, I, I have not seen a lot of instances where working out an argument over text message works out well in the end because there is enormous opportunity for misunderstanding to happen, for people to read into a text because all you've got is words to go on. You don't have any other body language or anything. Um, intonation's not there can read things wrong. Also, when we're texting, it we feel a little bolder to say things that are going to inflame the conflict than if you're standing there right with the person. You can kind of get away with jabbing more intensely on, on a text message. And this is actually not good because our words are now in writing in a way that can cause a lot of trouble later. It's documented. So I'd recommend to use text for logistics and encouragement probably not clearing up relationships. Uh, another aspect would be um, if it does get to where I've, I, I realize I have offended, here's what I need to say. Hey, when I did that, that was sin. Or when I, when I, I was harsh with you or I was rude or um, I, was, I was selfish and inconsiderate and that is sin. Will you forgive me? Asking these words specifically in this way it makes a really big difference. You can actually hear in the stories from this message where those ladies did use these words, hey, that was wrong. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And uh, those four words are, are maybe some of the hardest that you may ever say. Will you forgive me? Man, <laughs> those are, it's, it's almost even slightly easier to say, I'm sorry, or I apologize. Um, that can be hard too, but will you forgive me? That's that's hard. And if they do, if they, if they do forgive you, you can thank them. Man, I really appreciate that. If they won't forgive, I can ask why, because maybe there's a little bit more to it. Maybe I don't fully understand uh, the depth or the severity of the offense, or maybe I didn't even, maybe I said, I'm sorry for something, but that wasn't actually the whole picture. We can dialogue about that. It would be good to get this thing, not partially, but fully cleared up. I even do this with my kids. <laughs> uh, I've, there have been many times when I've had to get things cleared up with them because the most recurring thing that I've confessed and asked for their forgiveness is uh, speaking harshly to them. And, you know, dads, we can get real impatient. We can get frustrated if they're not doing what they should be doing. And uh, many times I've been harsh. And one time with my, my youngest, I was, I was wanting him to get in bed and he was um, he was not hopping to, and maybe there was a little bit of disobedience there, but I, I allowed myself to become harsh and commanding at him to get him in bed. And he was crying, and he, was, he did finally get in his bed. He was crying. He's going on and on, and I closed the door. He was still crying. I was like, and it was not, it's, that's not usual for him. Usually when he follows and gets in bed, then he's ready for sleep. And this time he kept crying and wouldn't let it go. I'm like, man, what is going on? He needs to stop that. So I thought about maybe, you know, yelling at him some more. Uh, but I realized, you know what? 
the Lord was convicting me about, how, how did you just treat him right now? And so I go in and I say, hey, Timothy, are you still crying because I was mean and, and harsh in the way that I talked to you? And he goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like sucking his thumb. And uh, I said, listen, buddy, I'm, I'm sorry. That was wrong. Will you forgive me for being harsh? And he did. He forgave me. And then he rolled over and went to sleep. He cut, it calmed down. It actually restored my relationship with my three-year-old. And uh, I, that wasn't the only time I've had to do that. I, part of the reason I, I clear things up with my kids, that's important to me, because I really want my kids to trust me. Not just now, certainly now, but as they get older, too. And if they know that there are certain things they can do that really make me angry or cause me to be reactive... Or if I'm a dad who's too proud to admit when I'm wrong, it's going to hold them back. I know for sure as they get older and they get in teenage years, they're not, they're not going to be open with me about certain things. Um, the, the trust will be damaged and limping along. And I don't want that. I want to have complete, um, uh, I want our relationships to be clear and for them to really trust me and to know that I'm going to be for them. And when I step out of line, I will clean it up. I'm going to take, I will humbly um, get that cleaned up. I want them to know that. Also, when it comes to clearing up relationships, uh, don't blame or minimize. (laughs) It is really easy when I'm saying sorry to explain it away. You know, I, I'm sorry, but I mean, I was really tired or I had to stay up late or it was a, it was a bad day at work. Or, or, to, or to pin some of the blame on them. You know, I, I'm sorry, but if you wouldn't have done that, then we wouldn't be here right now. Minimizing or blaming, even if it's a little bit, it shows that I don't want to totally own my offense. They may have offended too. Maybe they did or maybe they didn't. But regardless of what they have done, no matter if they're at fault or not, I simply need to say what I did wrong to call that sin and ask for forgiveness, independently of what they do. Also, I need to make restitution. If there's been some damage done, maybe I need to invest some of my time in fixing it, or some of my money in making that right. Maybe I caused property damage, or maybe I've sucked up their time, or I've made things difficult in some way. I, there may be a need for me to expend myself to, to make restitution, and to not just say sorry, but to make it right. Now, some people won't forgive. And maybe you've been in a situation where you have sincerely asked for forgiveness. You've called it sin. You've owned it. And you've been genuine for all that you've done wrong. And they simply won't forgive. Well, you can't control that. That does happen sometimes. So if a person won't forgive, go your way and leave the matter to God. That relationship possibly might not get fully reconciled. Uh, It actually may be necessary for me to forgive them for not forgiving me. And I need to just entrust that to God. But at that point, if I have truly owned my side and asked for forgiveness, then my conscience is clear. And Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If I've done all that I can do truly and humbly, then I can move forward being clear with God, even if this doesn't get sorted out. 
I may, to, I may need to investigate if, if I'm unsure if there is an offense. Maybe things feel a little funky. Maybe I'm not sure. Maybe somebody's relating to me differently. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know. Is there something there? There may be times when it's necessary to say, hey, I have been wondering, have I hurt you in some way or have I offended you? And if they say no, so thank them and then you can go on. But if they say yes, then I need to say, how have I done that? And then go ahead and confess it, ask for forgiveness and thank them. And then here's another step is I need to begin rebuilding trust through love and faithfulness over time. Rebuilding trust after I've offended somebody, it really can take a long time, depending on how intense the offense was. Proverbs 16.6 says, Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. There is a way that we can really apply ourselves to demonstrating love and serving and being sacrificial, just being a, a good and faithful friend or family member over a long period of time that may really cause trust to rebuild. When I was on staff at another church, I had a coworker that I had, I had a hard time being agreeable with. <laughs> and I was very reluctant to work on projects together. Um, actually, even when I was a kid in, in school, I hated group projects because I always wanted to do things my way. I was generally, at, even, at this, even at this church, I was not a very good team player back then. And a lot of the tension I had with this particular coworker was because of my pride. <clears throat> in wanting, thinking my way of doing things was better, and also a sense of competition. And I really wanted our, the approval of the boss um, more than this other person. And, uh, you know, because of these patterns that I had, I was, I was easily offended, and I was quick to instigate problems and, and to cause offense. And uh, long story short, because of my approach, there was, there was a lot of tension in this relationship, this working relationship. And it lasted a long time. There was, there was some ups and downs to it, but the tension was there for a long time. And I had mentioned earlier in, in this message that I had nearly destroyed another good friendship from my teenage years. And I was doing the same thing again here in this relationship. I was, I was on track to burn up what could be another very meaningful friendship. So all that was going on, God... God really used this relationship to expose the ugliness of the sin that was in my heart. And God really put his finger on this issue of clear relationships. And um, I also had to work through that pride and some other damaging ways of relating. Re really, to be honest, it was, it was a relationship where I had the hardest time and the most opportunity to practice all of the heart attitudes. All of these New Testament commands about how we treat one another, God really was really exposing my lack. And at one point, there was a turning point. I had, you know, a come to Jesus moment where I knew that God wanted me to deal with this and to get in this relationship in particular. I needed to get any outstanding offenses totally cleared up. And after I did that, I made a very firm decision to aggressively rebuild trust through, through love and faithfulness and just decide I'm going to really commit myself to going out of my way to serve so that I can really rebuild things here. And it definitely took a long time because the tension had been there for a long time. The trust took a long time to build. But I do want to show you actually some of the results of that turning point in the way that I related. 
<clears throat> so here is a book that, it's a book of encouragement. This was a book that was given to Aaron and I, my wife, before we moved from Riverside to start Valley Lights Church here in Santa Clarita. And um, it's, called, it's called Wood Family Sendoff. <laughs> and so the church wanted us to know the impact that we've had. It's filled with photos of friends and staff members and other people from the church with uh, encouraging notes. And uh, so actually the, the, the friend that I was telling you about, he wrote, he said, hey, it's hard to believe that we've been at this for almost 13 years because um, we were at the church for that long. He says, it, always ha- it hasn't always been easy, which is an understatement. <laughs> but he says, but as I look back on everything, I can say with confidence that you are as close as a brother to me and I'm a better man because of our friendship. Right around the time we met, I had severed many unhealthy friendships and God knew that you were the type of friend that I needed. You weren't just agreeable. You held me accountable. <laughs> uh, it's very gracious. And he says, you displayed brotherly love time and time again. He says, I'm grateful for you, for your family, your faithful response to God and his call on your lives. It challenges and spurs me on to make my life count for more than I can see. He says, know that we'll not stop praying for the Valley Lights Church, the team and, and that you guys launch out with. And I'm looking forward to many more years of serving shoulder to shoulder for God's kingdom. And then he had this verse here from Proverbs. He says, uh, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's a pretty meaningful note, I got to tell you. Um, This friend, uh, when we did finally leave that church and we came to start Valley Lights, um, he came uh, the, at the grand opening to um, do lead worship for us. He Actually, a bunch of times he came to do worship for us. Um, we were in a pinch, and he let me borrow his a really nice guitar of his uh, that we could play while we needed to figure things out for music for our church. And then just recently, he and his wife watched our kids while we went on um, a church retreat a few weekends ago. And it's amazing to me, all of the ways that he has given to me personally, invested even in our church now. It's, it's astonishing. And I want to tell you that story because, first of all, I really appreciate the forgiveness and the graciousness from this friend. He's a, he's a really good man and he fears the Lord. And he also has a strong commitment to keeping things clear before God. But I also wanted to tell you that story because I'd love for you to have a vision for the truly long-term impact of living according to God's relational guidelines. Our heart attitudes are not just nice sayings that we post on the wall. These are values that we live by. Left to my own devices, I would have destroyed that friendship. But now it's, it's one that I anticipate is going to be very meaningful for years and years to come. A lot of you here at our church have been learning about the heart attitudes and you've been leaning in and, and taking it seriously. Or maybe you're in one of the groups and you're studying the book that we're going through and you've been putting these things into practice in your own homes. And for those of you doing that, I am so grateful. And if you're newer here, you're stepping into a community of people who are committing to live very differently than the typical relational standards of our society. And I think you're going to find something very unique and very refreshing. And if you also lean in and take steps to deepen your investment to Christ in this community, 
I think it can be life-changing. Look at this compelling image from the book of Psalms. Psalm 133 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. That's a picture of refreshment. It says, For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Today we've wrestled with this idea that people offend each other and offenses can destroy relationships. But we really can remove the offenses. When we do that, we make peace. Making peace leads to God's blessing. It leads to delight and refreshment. Making peace leads to a future with a whole lot of good in it and a clear conscience. So you might want to take a next step. You might say, I need to take initiative to clear up a strained relationship or an offense that I've made. Or you might say, I need to begin working to rebuild trust through some specific acts of love and faithfulness. Or you might want to memorize Matthew 5, 23 through 24. It's a verse I've memorized. It's really helped me stay committed to this concept. Um, in all of our heart attitude messages so far, there's uh, at least one, but certainly more than one, verses that you can memorize to, to really embrace these values at a deeper level. Quick review of the heart attitude so far. Number one is to put the goals and interests of others above my own. This means we, we are genuinely for each other. I'm going to lower what I want in order to serve others. Number two is to live an honest, open life before others, which means I really present the real person, the real me. I'm not hiding. I'm not playing games. There's not pretense here. Number three is to give and receive scriptural correction. This is how we warn each other when we drift into disobedience or into sin, and we watch each other's backs. It's a very difficult one. And then number four, also very difficult, is to clear up relationships. And here is the commitment that I hope that we make to each other, is that when things get messed up, we'll clean it up. And that we're going to refuse to allow offenses to go unaddressed and to let things fester. That we're not going to let that happen. Once we complete this message series on, on the seven heart attitudes, we're going to have our first formal membership class as a church. And you'll be able to decide if you want to team with us in a commitment sense. And everybody who wants to join the family will take a look at these seven values with the understanding that uh, often... Uh, being a part of this church, I'm going, to need, I'm going to need to do each of these. And I'm going to make a commitment that I'm going to work towards in putting these things in my life. And uh, the big goal is to develop a congregation where members actually treat each other the way that the Bible says. Not perfectly, but we'll struggle to do it right in a way that really pleases God. If you're new here and you're not sure yet if you want to be a part of us, no problem. This message series will give you a good idea of who we are and what we're trying to become. Um, if you've missed any of these, go back and you can listen and watch. These Heart Attitudes are also published in two books. Um, our, our groups, our life groups are covering one of the books. There's um, two really good ones that you can grab either of those on the, online. And uh, so today we've looked at clearing things up, but only half of it actually. Um, how do we clear things up when I have offended somebody? Next week, you better buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> We're going to look at how to get things cleared up when I have been offended by someone else. And you might have some thick skin. 
Some skin is thicker than others, but we all get offended. We get hurt. We get frustrated. Sometimes there's people I'd rather cut out. Sometimes we can start building a wall of resentment, brick by brick. The issue of getting offended really has the potential to make us stall out in life. We can get really stuck if we don't handle this right. So this other side of clearing up relationships really is essential to building a biblical community that honors God. So I hope you'll join us next week. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the path you've given us to getting things cleared up when there's offenses and even for just making it clear how much of a priority it is for you that we do that. And it's going to take a whole lot of humility for us to walk in this. Um, But when we remember the initiative that you've taken to get things cleared up with us between you and ourselves, that it really adds a lot of motivation. And I'm very grateful for that. I pray that you would cause our church family here to live clear relationships and and really please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those of you listening online today or watching, uh, if you would like to support Valley Lights Church, you can give today. The money that we receive, go, it goes towards our mission of helping people find God and learn how to walk with Him. And really, giving to church is actually one of the ways we give back to God for the many ways that He's provided for us. So you can donate by clicking the giving button on your screen or going to our website. And another great way to connect is by filling out a connection card. It takes just about a minute, and you can let us know more about yourself and anything else going on in your life, anything we could be praying for. It's a great way to begin a conversation with us. And you can access that card on your screen right now as well or through our website. And I'm really glad that you're listening and watching today. I hope it was helpful. And thanks for taking some time to join us for church today.